There's something special about the camaraderie between teammates. On the sports field, they share a common goal, lifting each other up when one gets knocked down and celebrating the wins together. But what if our personal relationships could embody this team spirit? As life's challenges arise, it's easy to slip into a you versus me mindset. Today, we'll explore the power of a team approach in love, shedding the boundaries of mine and yours for a unified we. Hey, we're Kim and Rog, and we're here to show couples how to get the best out of their relationship so they can start living their dream life together. We're a West Aussie couple who are living the life of our dreams. We don't entertain the word should, we think about the future as a field of possibilities, and we let joy be our compass. We've taken the simple idea of working as a team and applied it to our marriage, and it's been a game changer, allowing us to work out what truly lights us up in life and to go after it together. From living in snowy Japan to starting our own house flipping business, we've achieved some big dreams. And most importantly, we feel fulfilled and are having the most fun we've ever had. Hear conversations from inspiring couples, thoughts from relationship experts, and tales from our own lives, as we help you to gain the wisdom and skills you'll need to turn your relationship into a real team. These are relationship conversations for real people, by real people. So sit back, get comfy in whatever tickles you pickle, and enjoy living the team life. So today we are talking about the topic of mine versus yours. And I think this is going to hit home for a lot of people from what we're gathering in the conversations we're having outside of the podcast. It's certainly an issue for people, this dynamic that develops over time. And that dynamic is very much an individualistic dynamic where we become siloed and focused on ourselves and what we have for ourselves versus what we have for the team, what we have for the relationship. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about some ways we would suggest trying to break that dynamic and evolve it into a more more team-based dynamic. And I guess kicking it off, thinking about where this sort of comes from, like how how do we get to a state of mind versus yours? In the beginning of the relationship, and we've spoken about this before, but I'll go back over it briefly. We know that we get pumped full of really good love chemicals and the chemicals are there for a reason because we wouldn't procreate if we didn't feel attracted towards people and, and want to be around them and, and want to spend time with them and do other things with them. It just wouldn't happen. So we get these great chemicals so that we are attracted to people and we do want to spend time with them and we get pumped full of these chemicals which is lovely. And as a result, we are more driven and motivated to make time for these people. We we actually experience a lot of joy in in sharing things with our partner, in making room for them in our lives. And I think that can show up with sacrifices we make even to that extent, you know, we're happy to do that because We're so motivated. We've got this sense of wanting to be with this person, make this person happy and and make this relationship a real thing that we feel driven to do these things. And it's such a lovely time really because in the beginning a lot of what is involved in being a team comes naturally. It's aided by these love chemicals. I think there's a lot more give than there is take and – it's because of these chemicals and just our natural instinct to find a partner and, you know, seal the deal like through a sexy transaction or oh through God. a love transaction, a love transaction, more longer oh, term. So you have someone... You lo- just lo- said sexy transaction. Well, that's the short term. 
but then you want some. You actually do want someone, I guess, to procreate with, but also to have longer term. And so you do actually. It is more give than take. You know, you're like you're trying to get this. You're not this saying love deal trying done. to seal the deal just in regards to sex, though, right? That's the sexy transaction. The love <laughs> transaction is finding a partner that you connect with, that you can spend your life with. But of course, was what that what you were thinking at eighteen when we we connected? Were you thinking about the love transaction? I was thinking about making multiple sexy transactions. <laughs> <laughs> I had my my credit card just going. <laughs> Anyway, um, 18, what what are we going to do? And But, of course, we go from this give, give, give. And once the the love transaction's done, sometimes we then can go back and rest on our laurels. Yeah, absolutely. I think think what you're just talking about is as the love chemicals, uh, those initial chemicals fade, we do settle into another phase of the relationship. um, And we've sort of termed that the enduring phase. And I think enduring is perfect because it actually describes two elements really. You're looking for and you're experiencing enduring love. It's ongoing. It goes for a much longer period of time and that's a beautiful thing. Everybody loves to think about enduring love but you're also going to be enduring life together. That's the reality of it. You are, you are genuinely enduring love. And life is definitely endured. Uh, it is because it's full of ups and downs. I yep. mean, that's the humanness of life. The, for some reason, we, we seek out this state of permanent happiness, but that is just simply not reality. So it only contributes to those, those sorts of negative emotions and feelings, these high expectations. We need to be realistic about life. And it's not about settling. It's about understanding that in all its humanness of life, it is full of ups and downs and and that they're not predictable in a lot of cases. Things are going to show up. People get sick. People get hurt. Uh, people lose jobs. People lose businesses. Lots of challenging things happen throughout life and, and continuously happen. We're always going to be faced with the ups and downs of life. We can use ourselves as an example, but it would be similar for a lot of other people. You know, you find your partner generally in your 20s, we, we were 18, but generally in your 20s, late 20s or maybe early 30s. Early 30s. Yeah. This is a big generalisation. Yeah, and, and we, of course we're generalising. But what you then find is that just as you're getting married maybe in your early 30s, which is generally around the average age, I think 30, 31 is the average age for marriage in Australia, past your 30s when life gets real, <laughs> when when stuff starts mm. to happen to you, stuff start, starts to happen to your family and you take on this world of responsibilities that perhaps when you were growing up in your teenage years and then in your 20s, you weren't, not as many people were as exposed to as many people get exposed to through the different stages of their life. Absolutely. That's what I hear when you talk about that. We, it, uh, we, we understand this is a generalisation. Some people it happens in their 20s, some people it happens in their 40s. We're just saying that there's on the majority there are some huge life changes that hop often happen around late 20s, 30s, early 40s. And those huge life changes, the stages of shifting in life is, you know, people start to question their career. This is one that's that's a big one. They start to question their purpose in life. They get married. Married is a huge stage of life. People often say, oh, I don't feel any different. But the reality is you are different. You are focused on being a partnership, ideally, moving forward. And in some ways, to the exclusion of the world, you've agreed to bunker down with this person for 
for your days going forward. And I think, and, and obviously the other big stage, sorry, before I head off on another tangent, is, is having babies. You know, that is such a fundamental shift in life when you become parents together you you go through this romantic period and as you're ending the enduring love love phase you've got married or you're you've committed to this long-term relationship and then you move into having kids and all of a sudden the dynamic of your life changes and yet no one seems to be putting in the work or you don't know how to put in the work and society definitely doesn't tell you how to how to do it, how to structure the new the relationship to fit in with the new ecosystem, with the new environmental factors, with the new seasons and stages of your life. And so all of a sudden you do have this sort of changing roles, these, these changing dynamics, these misaligned expectations. And of course you're then dealing, especially when you have kids, is a dramatic shortage of resources. I think you just hit the nail on the head for me. It's the structure. It's when we get together we sort of flounder through urged on by these amazing chemicals and we give a lot more and and we don't mind sacrificing and 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 usually it's in a stage of life where we can manage to do that because there aren't children involved and other demands on our on our resources but when life gets harder and asks more of you as you change through the stages of life and into, you know, parenthood and, and job movements and, and financial situations and all the rest of it, you do start to create a shortage of resources. The resources get pulled in all sorts of different directions. And if you don't have structure in place around that, how, how do you survive that? That's the reality of it. And what happens, you just start pulling, pulling from each other and the resources get more and more scarce and the the outcome seems to be diminished as well. So the shortage of resources is obviously the obvious issue. But as we're saying, the reality is this is something that shows up in businesses and other organisations, which is how Roger and I often like to think of a relationship. I know it's not very sexy, but it's actually very helpful. If it's a sexy transaction, it is. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, I'll leave that one. So the the shortage of resources shows up. And, and as we're saying, it's about having the structure and supports in place. And when we don't have those structure and supports in place, we the, the outcomes, the negative outcomes we see are things like misaligned expectations because we haven't been clear about them we haven't set up our structure of what we expect from one another and we see unclarified roles they're two massive issues that come up and when we have an unclarified role that can really lead to resentment uh, misunderstanding uh, separation between the partnership so an example of an unclarified role would be when a mother has a baby Often that very first part of infancy, the mother stays home with the child uh, predominantly. Dad might be involved in in some way staying home with paternity leave these days, but mum does most of it, largely because of um, biology. That's just the way it's evolved. And as she starts to move through that early infancy, at some point mum will often ask, well, what's next for me? You know, what's happening for me next? Where am I going next? What am I going to do next? And unfortunately, if that conversation isn't had out in the open, this is what I'm saying about unclarified roles and misaligned expectations. If you don't have a structure for talking that through, if you haven't set up a family dynamic where it's normal for you to talk about what's next and what the family wants next and how the relationship can move next, 
what can often happen is, for example, in that situation, the the unclarified role can mean that the mother may be having these thoughts about wanting to change her role and the father may still be seeing her as that stay-at-home mum. Yeah, because you're almost going into your default roles. Yes. But those default roles might be more traditional and might not actually work for your life circumstances and probably won't work for where you want to go forward. Well, what actually happens is you end up moving forward right? Because we do in life. But because you haven't been clear about where you're at and what you want, what happens is mum just picks up extra jobs. She stays in that role in the family view that she's still mum, right? Primary caregiver. So she's primarily responsible for the children, but then goes back to work. So now mum is doing primary caregiver. So she's doing all of the unpaid work around primary caregiving and paid work. And there's no conversation around the fact that her role has now shifted. She is now back in paid work. So she's got additional uh, resources being being placed in another area. And that's what I'm saying is, is if you haven't set those structures up in the family, very easily a partner can think one partner is in a certain role when that partner's actually moved into another role and there hasn't been a joint acknowledgement of the shifting of resources, of the shifting of roles, of the shifting of expectations. Yeah, 100%. And I tell you what, society doesn't help. We've definitely moved towards this more individual mindset, this individualism, this sort of uh, personal achievement, self-expression. And I think what's happened is over time, that's really overshadowed the collaborative and sacrificial nature of being in a partnership. And I think some of it can be taken back to the move away from the traditional family structure, which where women were getting empowered to be able to follow their career paths and their dreams, which is which is great. It's actually a, a really strong indication of a, a wealthy and healthy nation. But what happens is we haven't been taught and society hasn't told us how do we come back together from being individuals to working collaboratively in this modern world And you can see where all of a sudden you move from this traditional family where the roles, people weren't happy, but the roles were set to this more, to this more free environment, but people are less, people don't know how to work collaboratively together. (laughs) I don't even know where to begin with this because the feminist in me is saying how can you possibly have thought the roles was were clear and set? The roles were dictated to women in that era. Clearly dictated. <laughs> <laughs> look, I look. I, I, I don't think anyone would think that I'm saying like, oh, we should go back, even though there has been a bit of an argument race, oh, we need to go back to the traditional roles. I don't think that works at all. And I think Kim and I, you, you and I definitely don't have a traditional relationship or um, a traditional I guess, marriage or mindset. We've had twos and fro's in our relationship where you've been the breadwinner, I've been the breadwinner, and now we're working together on our own business and we are maybe not 50-50 on everything, but very equitable. And, of course, we very talk equitable. about it so we have clear roles. We, yeah. we, we know where we're going. I hear what you're saying. You're, you're talking more about being clear about the roles we have and setting a structure up in place more than commenting necessarily on that era as being you know, a good example of, of it wasn't that. a it's good example. It's more structured that era. It was right? a structured example. But yep. what's that what's the what's the structure people are supposed to follow today? Now, of course we believe it's the team and we'll get onto that later. Well I, I just want to jump on that because I think the other part of like you're talking about social narratives and cultural norms, which we really 
really want to raise as part of living the team life because we question a lot of them and I think part of the issues we have in society or a lot of the issues we have in society today are we just don't question these cultural norms enough. So, yes, I hear the structure argument that you're making that there was an era where we were more structured and although that era wasn't right, definitely not and the idea of having more structure we can take from that era because it's not all black and white. The other narrative I think that's in play like you touched on as well is this individualistic idea and I don't know if that comes from the same sort of background. For me there's just been this massive push in like rhetoric in the last few decades to towards the idea that if you and I guess it is probably interlaced with the fact that we're moving away from this era where women were so oppressed in the household in that they this argument of empowerment comes from being retaining your own individual life do not lean into the team do not become a doormat in the relationship do not become a team member in the relationship maintain independence and yeah. and it's it's it is an interesting one now i'm saying it out loud like where exactly are the roots and the, the genesis probably is more around the the fact that it was like trying to empower women, but it's now, it's spruiked to men a lot, right? Like this is a common narrative, which is like, do not lose yourself in the relationship. This is what people say, but that, but what they're actually saying is don't go all in on the relationship. Yeah, there's definitely um, in the masculinity sphere, there's definitely a bit of fear mongering around, well, now there's been this new relationship dynamic change and empowering of women. It's like, don't be... You know, don't yourself get trodden on by these empowered women, which is crazy. I mean, if you're on a sporting team, if you're a rower or, or you know, a doubles tennis player, you want the strongest person on your team possible. You want the best teammate. Mm. So I, I think definitely it, there is definitely some people out there saying that, well, you know, to be masculine, you should be should be pushing things on your own. You should be even providing for your woman, doing all those things as opposed to, being a team player, having a lifelong partner and going through this world arm in arm with your best friend. and That is just such a great point and so important because as you're speaking, I'm, I'm really like hashing this out in my brain. For the That's the masculine perspective and for the female perspective, I think the narrative is more around like, you know, empower yourself, sister, put, you know, the, the um, saying that is just so cliched now because it's so overused, which is uh, put your own oxygen mask on first. That's what people say to mothers often. And, and whilst, don't get me wrong, 100% you need to be taking care of yourself, I think those sorts of comments have just like covered blanketly over the relationship area as well and that's not what they were intended yeah, for. they were that's intended to say intended. Don't, don't suffer in silence. Make sure you're taking care of yourself 100%. so you can take care of your baby. But they're not saying go off on your own individual yes. pursuit. Yes. Who cares about the person you've made a commitment to for the rest of your life? You need to look after number one. Yes. Um, and so, of course, what happens then is we see this in relationships where the, you know, because we haven't been taught and society's not helping – and we start to see symptoms within the relationship really based on that adversarial nature. Yeah, 100%. It's, you know, things like jealousy. My partner says they're going somewhere and all of a sudden I feel jealous they're going without me or getting to do something. That's that FOMO sort of feeling. Uh, we can get a little bit snarky, you know. Oh, well, you you know, you've been out. 
three times this month already, but sure, no worries. Have fun with the boys today. Oh, another golf day. (laughs) (laughs) Resentful. And then obviously like this culminates, as you say, Roji, and we talk a lot about this adversarial nature where you're fighting for time and fighting for resources rather than pooling and working out how to how to make it work as a team. That resentment and that adversarial nature is really dangerous to a relationship because you end up in a zero-sum game where the only way for one person to win is the other person to lose. And, of course, you know, down the track what happens is you both end up not really getting what you want and not achieving what you want to do. When you take this adversarial approach, when you take this individualistic approach to your relationship, in the end you're less likely to achieve what you want in life or maybe one person achieves what they want and the other person completely doesn't. And I tell you what, that one person who does achieve what they want, what they're not going to achieve is a healthy, loving relationship with their spouse. So let's talk about what the other side of this is. Yeah, so really, of course, we're living the team life here. (laughs) We're all about going all in on the team. Taking a team mentality, it means that if one person's winning, you're both winning. And conversely, if one person's losing, you're both losing. Yeah, I absolutely love the sporting analogy for this. And we talk a lot about sporting clubs and businesses as an example. And the reality is a relationship is a sort of team and a sort of organisation, right? Those principles flow across beautifully. And it might sound, again, unsexy to people, but we are so short on resources, we have to structure things this way. It's the only way for there to be a greater good and a greater outcome. So much of what in sport and business is about how do you get the people in that organisation or that club to come together as a team and generally the ones that have the greatest success are the ones that get the people together to be on the same team and yet why don't we bring that into our relationship which oh my god (laughs) i just i completely agree you know you've got the common goal you've got um not being an individual first you've got having each other's back encouragement for one another working like as you work towards the goal so like being each other's cheerleader, there's so many benefits to engaging the relationship as a team, just like you would in a sporting team. Uh, So let's maybe go through how the sporting team analogy can be used in the relationship. Yeah, what what I you know this was this was a great idea by you, um, and it's usually me coming up with the sporting analogies. But what I like about this is often people do say, yeah, yeah, I want to become a team. And then you go, okay, well, one of the first things you have to do when you become a team is putting the team first and not the individual first. And they're like, hey, whoa, 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 hold up a second. So what we're trying to do here is show you, here are some ways where in a sporting environment, how important it is to become a team and how you do become a team in a sporting environment to help you understand why it is so important in your relationship to become a team. So the first thing that you see in a sporting environment when a team comes together is that they know what their dream is. What's their big dream? What are their goals to get towards that dream? And so, you know, depending on the team, but let's use the the Matildas because they're awesome. Their big dream is obviously to win the World Cup. And under that, they're going to have some goals to get them there that are going to drive the type of actions they're going to take. They get clear on this stuff. And I think... when you apply this to a relationship, you know, do you know what your partner wants for their future? Do you know what you want? And have you talked together about what you want as a couple? 
so, so many assumptions are made in our relationship, especially as the we change as people and the relationship dynamics change and we go through the different seasons of life is assuming, oh, this is what they always wanted or this is what I always mm. wanted. But unless you're transparent and clear with your partner, it's really almost unfair on, on them for them, for you to assume they know exactly what you want out of life. So setting your dreams and goals together as a team, which is what a lot of strong sporting organisations and sporting clubs do, and for the Matildas now it's to win the Women's World Cup in the next few weeks, is key to having that common purpose to bring you both together and get you on the right track. Yeah, and, you know, the power of talking about dreams is alignment, but it's also hope. It goes deeper than that. When you feel like you're working towards something that truly matters to you, it's it's elevating yourself to a higher level. It really is. You're out of the minutiae of day-to-day and you're on a purpose-filled track. When you've got a, a goal in the in the future that you're both aligned to, all the little all the little crap mm. things in life actually take a bit of a backseat and are less important to you yeah. and you find you actually fight less about them and that's really important in a sporting environment as well because there's a lot of egos. There's a lot of high-performance athletes in there who all have their own individual contracts and individual incomes in, but they won't gain the ultimate success unless they come together as a team. The next behaviour that is part of a team is they talk about strategy. They've got their goals. How are we going to do this? You know, how are we going to get towards those goals? And strategy is just so critical in a relationship. They come up with a game plan. They come up with a plan and, you know, they they tackle each goal in each situation differently. But they're aligned with where they want to go and how they're going to get there. Yeah, just like in a relationship. Okay, we've got a dream to one day own a a little hobby farm. We want to go and retire to the country ultimately. That's our big dream, right? So we want to buy this hobby farm. So the goals start to look like, you know, what are we saving? How much are we saving over a certain period of time? You know, those sorts of things. How much do we need for the deposit? Rah, rah, rah. What can we afford on a mortgage? Those sorts of – work out what your specific goals are and then you say, well, how are we going to save that much? This is the strategy. How are we going to do that? Yeah, so if we – okay, we want to go buy a a hobby farm so we can, you know, sit there roasting marshmallows with the kids and look out at the hills. Okay, but that might mean we we don't renovate the house. You know, but yeah, what, so if, you, if you don't have, if you're not clear yeah. on that goal, you might go, oh, well, it's about time we renovate the house. So you go and do the renovation and you realise, gee, I think we've just set back our dream of having our holiday house, our hobby farm out in the bush. Mm. We've just set that back eight years. Yeah. So no. that's why it's so important to be clear on where you want to go and how you're going to get there. How you're going to get there. Absolutely. The another thing that you find in teams that is just so transferable to the relationship is the definition of roles. And we spoke about this earlier that often in relationship we end up in a, in undefined roles, unclear roles because things have evolved and people assume you're still in the old role. And in a team, they not only do they define their roles clearly, they reassess whether those roles – so in a team it's obviously a position, right? Okay, they're playing this position, but is that working for them? What do they need in that role to be supported? You know, what's what are the demands on them in that position? And it's exactly the same as your partner. What is your current role? What do you need in that role to be best supported, best perform in that role? And actually, let's have a look at, is that role the best place you could be right now? Is there another role yeah, ta- that might better the team? Take out the assumptions. Take out the assumptions. I love that. I think that's a key overtone for all of what we're talking about today. Next is schedule in practice times so every team is out there 
practicing their skills. And I, what I always loved was this old saying from a famous AFL coach. He said, practice the right things. Practice makes perfect. He says, practicing the right things makes perfect. So make sure you're having your five to one interactions, making sure you are giving your kisses and your pleases, make sure you're having that good rift and repair, make sure you're showing appreciation, empathy and active listening and practice them. Do it again and again and again and you will get better at it. Exactly the same for the three things we just spoke about, you know, having your dreams, having your strategy, defining your roles. The more you practice that, the easier it will get. The conversations will just come more naturally. It becomes your automatic mode, which is what you're trying to achieve. So setting in times to practice those skills and build them, they will become more natural and they will be easier just to implement in the relationship day to day. We certainly experience that in the relationship almost all of what we talk about here is automatic for us now. It's it's this is not hard work. For it's us it's the habitual, way it used to be. and yeah. of course, when we do do something that's not quite right, or even if we do something that we're like, hey, that that rocked, we then we always review. We always yeah. look back on what has worked and what hasn't worked. Just like a players at the end of every game for the next week, they'll go through and sit through the vision of the game, what they did well, what they did wrong, and you know they'll look to to change things up. And maybe that means changing your strategy a bit. And then it often means every year or so making sure, redreaming and making sure your dreams still align with who you are today. So that is another key attribute of a team, isn't it? That constant review, right? Yeah. Review and reassess. to have consistent. Because if we're not curious about how things are actually going, how can you possibly know if you need to change something? You're assuming that life's staying the same and it's just so unrealistic to think that life just stays the same. It constantly evolves. And I know that can be a bit scary. I just acknowledge for people when you say things are constantly changing and evolving, humans don't like that because it's unpredictable. But it is the reality of the world. And if you get your teammate on board with you to label what's happening, what's changing, and then talk through how you can adapt to those changes and those adapting needs, it's nowhere near as scary as what you think and you're making the necessary adaptions so life actually gets easier. Yeah, and that's how you get on the same page. I mean, so so many questions we get is about how do I get on the same page as my partner? We'll review and assess what you're doing constantly. So uh, I think another thing that I love about um, high-performance teams, and you see this on the footy field, is when a player misses a goal or maybe they drops a drop a mark, their teammates will come up to them and pat them on the back and say, hey, it's okay, we're here for you and you're going you're gonna to do well in your next moment. That is literally my favourite part of watching football. The, your favourite? Yeah. <laughs> when, they're, when they're so nice to each other and they wander up <laughs> and just give each other a little tap on the bum and I just think, you know, good on you, mate. Like everybody has a, has a less than perfect moment. Everybody struggles and it's just – you know, even at the end of the game when someone's had a really crappy game and you might see the captain or the vice captain just wander up and, like, put an arm around him. It's making me emotional. It's so beautiful because it's so human. It's, it's, it's part of life to have good days and bad days. It's part of life not to be your, at your best as a person and to have a teammate who comes up to you and says, that's okay. Instead of layering your poor, poor behaviour with shame, you move out of that cycle really fast. It's such a beautiful thing in life. Yeah, so don't play the blame game and give your wife a tap on the bum. 
<laughs> or husband. I'm giving you a tap uh, yeah. on the bum. I do get a few you taps on the bum. Both um, ways. All right. And, and of course, what happens here is if you do all these things, the result is you start to build a great team culture, a winning culture. We've all heard that with the premiership teams, the championship winning teams. They've got a winning culture. And the other thing which is I love is they wear their uniform, their colours, their team colours with pride. And this is something that I heavily believe in and Kim does too is be proud of your relationship. Be proud of your partner and yourself and the relationship entity and what you do together because it is really cool when you come together to achieve great things. Absolutely love that. For me, it's they're, they're completely intertwined. Having that culture of pride, that culture of belonging to the relationship is priceless. It will change the way you approach your life together forever and change what you can achieve out of life, which is pretty epic. Okay, so Kim, what was your gold nugget out of today's potty? I think for me is the idea of using this analogy. I'm a very visual person. It really helps me when I am trying to make a change in life to adopt a an analogy I can think about really clearly. And the sporting team one is a really great one. There's just so many transferable skills that we see in sporting teams that are just just like bang on for a relationship. Taking an individualistic approach, just like in a sporting team context is a is a zero-sum game someone has to lose for you to win you know but if you're in a team if you're doing it for the team then your wins are their wins their wins are your wins you're amazing you've just spent quality time on your relationship feel like you're on a roll if you want more Living the Team Life relationship insights and conversations, head over to kimandrodge.com where you can find all the show notes as well as tons of other relationship goodies. And if you liked today's episode, please hit subscribe or let another couple know where they can find us. It'll make them happy and it'll make us really happy. Until next time, keep on living the team life.